All right. We got to talk about that Duke game. What a game in the Dome. 32,000 fans was jacked up for it. And then eight minutes in, it was 31 to nine Duke. So lots to discuss. Benny Williams had a great game. We'll talk about that. And we also got to preview UNC, make our picks for that game. So a lot to get to. We'll jump right into it on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. You are locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We welcome you on into the Locked On Syracuse podcast, Monday morning edition. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky, happy you could join us. We're here with you every single weekday. Subscribe now if you haven't already. And today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We will make our picks according to the Bet Online spread for the UNC game later today. We'll talk some Benny Williams. But, Ty, let's start with. Whatever the heck happened at the beginning of this game, 32,000 fans almost are there. A new student record. Everyone's ready. Coach K gets his gift, and then the game starts, and it was a disaster right from the jump. I've never seen anything like that, honestly. It looked like five guys who were starstruck by seeing five NBA draft picks on the other side. I and mean, maybe AI, Sin Quartz. Right, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know what it was. The, the whole nine yards of it. I mean, I don't know what if you can't get up for Duke, I don't know. I don't know what to to say. So because... I don't think it's effort, though. I saw you tweeted that out. And we had this discussion the first time they played Duke. It's definitely not effort to me. It, it comes down to talent more than anything. And Duke I think it's a combination well. of both. Like it's you see the talent on the other side and you kind of get complacent with the fact that, oh, I'm not expected to be as good as that guy over there. So I don't have to go after this loose ball. I, I, like they're just going to be better than me. They're going to out physical me. I mean, the rebounding stuff, that's a lot of effort there. That is a ton of effort stuff. If you can't even tip some of these boards out to a teammate, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It was frustrating from the jump. There, there's just so much. There was such a huge talent gap, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think the effort gap was there as well. But you're trying to tell me that Jimmy Beheim, let's try and put ourselves in his shoes for a second. He grew up, he understands Coach K, he understands how big these 30,000 dome games are. He knows the history of Syracuse Duke, John Gillen shot, whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is the biggest game of his life. He's playing in front of 32,000 fans against Duke, a nationally ranked team. It's Coach K's final game, like everything to it. You're telling me that he just got out there and just wasn't trying hard enough or wasn't running hard enough to the ball or just didn't want it enough. I I don't buy into that as much as I just think Duke is stronger. They're more physical. They're better than anyone else in the ACC. And there's a huge gap between them and everyone else. So, yeah, we can hang with Notre Dame. But when we played Auburn, when we played Villanova, when we played Duke now twice, and hopefully we don't see him a third time, but it could happen in the ACC tournament the way things are lining up. It's just a different level, a different tier that we can't compete with given the talent we have and not having Jesse this time around as well. I mean, you go from scoring 27 points to zero. That, that talent, it, there's no talent gap wide enough that makes that happen from 27 to zero. I, I just don't see that. There's so many. I think he I mean, got tight, nervous, but I don't think it's effort at all. How could he just not be ready to go for this big of a game? I don't know, because they clearly weren't. They clearly weren't. You had three starters who gave you nothing in this game. Absolutely nothing. And I think, listen, I, I'm not at, like, 
did did a bunch of them play poorly? Yes, absolutely. Like it, it happens, but it continues to happen in these big stage sort of games where, all right, you kind of need this one and then you fall flat. You kind of need that one and oh, you fall flat there. It it once again to me defensively is a lot of effort. The, just the the name of the game on defense, a lot of effort there. And rebounding, rebounding is a lot of effort too. Like sure, it helps to have the intangibles of size and and length and all that stuff. But what about boxing out too? I mean, Mark Williams, we knew this was going to be a problem in this game. I don't think we knew it was going to be a 28 and 12 problem. Uh, like we, we probably expected somewhere in the neighborhood of like maybe 18 and 12, he'd have a great game, but I didn't think we'd see a career high out of Mark Williams. Yeah. I mean, Frank has been really pretty bad, honestly, since the Virginia tech game, we joked about, should you, are we had a serious conversation about, should you buy a stock? Should you sell his stock after that game? And his stock's gone from Apple in 1994 to Blockbuster right now or something yeah. like it's, it's taken a dive. So I hope someone sold. I don't know. It just feels, it's sort of odd. I mean, Jim Beheim said post game, if Frank played like this against Virginia tech, we would have lost by 25. He was tremendous yeah. against Virginia tech and now he struggled and Duke is just a huge matchup problem for them. So I think maybe you're confused. I don't know. I still don't buy into the effort thing. I think the lack of rebounding comes down to more just lack of quickness, lack of physicality, lack of talent more than lack of effort. It's just Duke is on a different playing field than Syracuse. Duke has recruited better than Syracuse. It's not Jimmy Beheim didn't want it enough in the biggest game of his life. I think part of it too may be, I mean, that was your fourth game in a week. Also, like we're hitting that back stretch of the the five games in, in 10 days stretch, like tired legs are going to happen. Even even all the all the other fatigue stuff is this is one of those games where it's going to settle in. And this is the game where you can't afford to have it settle in that early. In yeah, a game but then they went on an 11 run. So, again, right, I don't I know. know if it's tiredness either. I think that 11 well, run proved might... that they were playing hard. If you're if you're Duke and you see the scores 31 to nine, there, there's a level of complacency that probably kicks in as well on the other side, too. And I, I just think that, again, this was an impossible game for them. When you look at where they are on the schedule, the, the talent gap that existed and, and you had to come up the way that you beat Duke is by coming out and punching them in the mouth early, because as we saw down the stretch, Syracuse pretty much hung with them down the, the final stretches of the game. Like I looked at when Benny Williams scored his first layup to a portion that was pretty deep into the second half. And Duke was only outscoring them by like one point from that stretch. So that yeah. was a competitive stretch of the game, but you have to, you have to come out and show something out of the gate, because if you're not showing a team that you've got some sort of fight in you from the start and you let a team as talented as Duke kind of run all over you from the start, you're not going to stand a chance. Yeah, I think we hit on that, and that was everyone's key when we discussed before the game, the pre-preview podcast was all about got to get the crowd involved, got to use that as the equalizer, got to start out fast, got to have a good start from Frank and Joe, and it didn't happen, and I think they understood that that was a huge reason or a huge key going into the game, and they just played tight and nervous, and honestly, when you look at Cole and Jimmy, it's just a terrible matchup for them. And then you factor in that we don't have Jesse, who Mark Williams was good the first time around, but Jesse was able to maintain him a little bit. You throw Frank out there. I thought Barama was actually probably better than yeah. Frank in this game, but still Barama's 50%. I don't think probably. He, he, was, he was definitely better than Frank in this yeah, game. Yeah, which 
I think Barama's been, if anything, a B or a B plus of what we expected since the Jesse yeah. injury. But Frank, after a great first game, has really dipped. And it's tough. I mean, he's going up against now Baycott tonight. It's not ideal matchups for it. But I don't know. It's concerning that they couldn't stop the three either. Like A.J. Griffin did the same thing against us in Cameron. And he's, again, just getting these spot-up looks, which it's tough. The two-three zones just not equipped to be good against a team that has Mark Williams and then three-point shooters around him. And when you're an offensive-minded team, especially one that has been very deficient defensively throughout the season, the way that you beat teams and the way, especially teams that maybe are better than you too, is you got to jump on them from the get-go, build up a lead on them, and then just hope your defense can hang on enough, hang on by the threat. I mean, look at some of the games that we've seen play out this year where Syracuse just jumps on teams and We've seen it a number of times. Some of them even result in losses, too. Like, I think about Miami. I think about Colgate. Those games were games that Syracuse absolutely jumped on their opponent, got up double digits, and then just kind of crumbled down the stretch. You look at games like Indiana and Wake Forest and Louisville. You jumped on these teams from the get-go, and then you in certain games, you crumbled down the stretch, but in other games, your defense was just strong enough or the lead was big enough where it didn't matter at the end. You had to jump on teams. You can't just kind of force these comebacks because I mean, quite frankly, how many times have we seen Syracuse truly come back in a game with the, the Florida state game? I'm trying to jog my memory through the rest of the schedule, but that's about the only one I can really remember. They definitely had more last year, Buffalo, Notre Dame last year. Right. I, I don't think it's happened quite to the degree that it has this year. So, and I would say even that Florida state comeback was more defensive based than it was offensive based. Yeah. And that was Florida state missing shots and Florida state, honestly being, not as good as we thought at the time. It looked like a decent win. And even Georgetown, I mean, as games pass, it's like, how did we lose to Georgetown? They have not, they've won one game since. And that was against yeah. some nobody team. And now they've reeled off. I think it's 18 straight losses or something like that. I haven't won in the big East yet. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll dive into Benny Williams, the silver lining from this game, discuss what that performance means. Some of his comments post game in just a second, but football might be over for the season. Basketball is still in full steam, though, for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline where the game starts. All right, so Benny Williams, this is the positive here. 14 points, 30 minutes, both career highs, five for seven from the floor, six rebounds, had that sweet up and under. He says after the game, he's coming back. He reiterates that it's the positive from this game. It's what we needed to keep us sort yeah. of clinging on to something. And it was great to see. I mean, once he hit that first layup, I started to say to myself, you know, that might be the confidence boost, that little jolt of energy. Game's already sort of out of hand. You could tell, like, this could be a game where Benny gets a lot of minutes, and hopefully we see him do something. And I tweeted that out after the he made that acrobatic layup. It was, I'm interested to see what these next five to seven minutes of Benny look like. And then he goes out, hits a jumper. I think he had another layup somewhere in there, too. And we started to see a more polished offensive game. 
and we kind of talked about it. Like how many times has he had a shot that has rolled all the way around the rim and then just bounced out? Like yeah. he's had a, a, in terms of the, the luck factor for him, feels like he's gotten unlocked lucky on a number of shots this year. Now, part of that is the nature of having a, a flatter shot. You're not going to get those friendly rolls right. as often, but we felt like we were sort of due for a little bit of positive Benny regression at a certain point. And we certainly got it in this game. We saw a guy that was looking to attack, looking to to get his shot, looking like a confident basketball player. And I'm not going to be the one here that kind of what ifs you to death and says, well, this has been in him the entire time. The coaching staff just hasn't like, no, come on. Like, yeah, we've seen what Benny Williams has done on the floor for the majority of the season. What has he done that has warranted playing time? He hasn't done a whole heck of a lot in your eyes, in my eyes, and in any objective Syracuse fan's eyes to deserve this level of playing time. Now, when the game's out of hand, sure, throw him out there, let him do what he wants. And guess what? It's not like he was doing it against some bums either, right? Like, even the, yeah. the second and, and third line guys for Duke are going to be better than a, a good portion of the players that he's gone up against this season. So I think that's another sort of takeaway. And he was doing it against some of the first stringers for Duke, too. Yeah, and... I totally agree with you. I'm not going to play the look back on Bayheim and say, oh, see, this is proof that he should have been playing more because, well, there's been little moments here or there. I think that Pittsburgh blowout game was one where it's like, why didn't he just get some run in the second half, the first go around when they actually blew him out? There's been little moments, sure, but at the same time, Jim Bayheim has pretty much played him in every game. And when he's gotten in there, he's done three or four head scratching things and not looked like he's really helping your team overall. And they're important games in conference play that if you want any shot of making a run at the NCAA tournament, which is now totally out the window. And we discussed how there was a certain point in the season where it felt like we reached that point and it was prioritized Benny, but he just didn't round a corner. And you went on a run now, but then you went on a run and then the door started to slightly crack back open. Yeah. And I would caution people to overreact to one game a little bit. Did I think Benny looked really good in this game? Yes. But also Frank looked pretty good when he got extended run. And the whole, uh, you know, conversation after that game was why isn't Frank playing more? And now here we are. And it seems like Jim Beheim knew all along that Jesse Edwards was way better than Frank Anselm, at least what we're seeing now, Frank could bounce back too. And I think Benny will continue to finish the season strong here, but I don't think Syracuse missed the NCAA tournament or I don't think Jim Beheim had a malpractice in coaching and handling Benny Williams this season. I just think Benny was a really talented freshman that like a lot of other really talented freshmen struggled and he started around the corner and Jim Beheim said he had a great practice right before this game. So hopefully this is the start of a really good stretch of basketball then the year. Yeah. Syracuse didn't miss the NCAA tournament this year because Benny Williams didn't play. Syracuse yeah. may have missed the NCAA tournament because Benny Williams didn't play well this year. And I don't necessarily think that the playing time equates to what, what we see in this game because yeah, like we we've seen this before too, right? Where maybe Benny misses that acrobatic first shot that he goes out there and hits. And maybe we get the, the Benny Williams that we saw the entire season, but he made it started to play with a little bit more confidence. And I don't know, like I'm, I'm optimistic. It's all mental this, with him. Right. And yeah. I guess that and it's not just him. It's it's most freshmen. A lot yeah. of it's gonna be mental. And I'm I'm more optimistic coming out of this game, A, given the opponent who he went right. up against. And B, when you see these performances towards the end of the year, too, 
Those are sort of building block things. Like we saw this with Tyus Battle when he was a freshman. We saw this with Marek Dolajai when he was a freshman. They started to put together some nice performances at the end of the season. And then that's what sort of sprouted their careers into what they became. Then you saw Marek. He went out there in the ACC tournament. He was fantastic. And then what does he do? He puts together a fantastic Syracuse career. Tyus, he hits the big shot against Clemson. And then what does he do? He puts together a fantastic Syracuse career after that. Hopefully this is the moment we look back to with Benny where, oh, he was right. fantastic against Duke. And then he puts together a phenomenal Syracuse career the next one, two, three years, however long he ends up staying at Syracuse. And this is just what you're hoping right now. Can you string together some of these building block sort of performances and let this be the sum of the parts that ultimately is going to be what your career is defined upon? Because guess what? If Benny Williams has a fantastic sophomore year and bolts to the NBA draft, we're going to forget about this freshman year that he struggled in. Yeah. I mean, like think about Michael Carter Williams. Don't even bats an eye about his freshman year. Right. All people remember was he was fantastic as a sophomore and brought up the team to the final four. That's what your legacy is created upon. And so can Benny Williams go out and do the same now? And I think he can. And I'm really excited to see even more wise beyond his year comments after the post game talking about, I will be back next year. And Jim Beheim saying stuff like it's going to be a big summer for him and a big fall. And looking back on it, it just didn't work out this year. And there were a lot of reasons why one of them, I think is the non-conference schedule was really tough and it wasn't a good year to have a tough non-conference schedule. I don't know if they really could have planned that better or not, but just having all these new pieces. That was part of the reason why when I looked at sort of the preseason evaluation of this team, it just didn't feel like they were going to build the momentum they needed to in that non-conference stretch because we've seen them struggle in the non-conference already. And this schedule is even more tougher than normal. And it's even more new pieces than normal that you're counting on. But I'm excited about the future with Benny. The runway is there for him next year to be a yeah. starter and an integral part of this team. I mean, we'll talk about this later in the week, but the comments from Jim Beheim that is essentially axing three spots from the roster. No buddy next year, no Jimmy, no Cole. Yeah. Like that that spot's open. And, and right. he's not the incumbent per se, but he's the top dog, I would say, of all the remaining uh, all the returning guys to take one of those spots. I, and I don't think it's really up for much debate right now. I it, I think we would all be very shocked given the comments that have been made by both Beheim and Benny Williams, if he is not the starter next season yeah. at either the three or the four spot. And, and I look Depends at him, on transfers, I guess, but yeah. Right, I but agree. you'd probably have to fill two spots ahead of Benny. Like, if there's even just one spot up for competition, you'd imagine it goes Benny Williams' way. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I look at what he did in this game. Did I think – we always talk about, oh, we're going to get the Benny Williams game at some point this season. And, and it felt like we weren't going to get it. Once we dwindled down to this part of the season, if you told me we're right. going to get it at Duke, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, but I'm glad to see it happen because I think the opponent matters. Cause now he's going to be thinking to himself, if I can do this against Duke, I can do this against anybody. And that's an important thing to sort of build the confidence. And hopefully this is the, the start of a snowball effect for him. Yeah. Over under real quick on minutes tonight for him. What do you think against UNC against UNC? Or just prediction on how yeah, he plays tonight. I, I mean, I I don't think he's going to go fourteen and six. No, <laughs> but, but I I would say that he definitely gets some more. I I would guess somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen minutes. Yeah, I would say right? that. I yeah. think that's a fair thing. One more thing with with him. I I want to note this too. He goes five for seven in the game. His last five 
field goals prior to this game, it took him 17 games to get to that. <laughs> so for him to yeah. go out there and, and put together a five for seven performance to go along with six rebounds, that's another part of his game that I thought was really strong. And like yep. he went up and grabbed some rebounds from dudes in a game where Syracuse was very rebound depleted. They lost the rebounding battle 38 to 25. They needed something like this out of him off the bench. And you wish it was there all season long. And you wish you could have depended on Benny to be a guy that maybe got you like eight and four every single game. But I think at this point in the season where all hope is sort of lost, like it's just good to have something like this in the memory bank that you can sort of take away from everything. All right, we will make our picks for UNC in just a little bit. This is the time of year, though, that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, usually, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. You got to try Built Bars if you haven't already. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, even the puffs, which are some of our favorites. You can get coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. There's tons of good flavors on the Built Bar website. Low calorie, high protein. You replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories and 17 grams of protein, and they still taste like a candy bar. Somehow. So go to built.com, use promo code locked15, get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. So UNC, quick turnaround again. Maybe even more of a matchup nightmare on the road. UNC coming off a big win against NC State. Armando Baycott had just 28 points and 18 rebounds and five block shots in that game. He's the first UNC player ever to go 20-15-5 and five in a game. For my money, he is the ACC player of the year right now. I know Alondis Williams is a nice story, but the guy's had 22 double-doubles on the season. Yeah. He's putting up Model video game-like numbers. Right. That I look at it as... When you look at this entire UNC team as a whole, I don't necessarily think that they're more of a net matchup nightmare than Duke was. But when you look from an individual standpoint, I think Armando Baycott's a bigger matchup nightmare than Mark Williams was. And you just saw Mark Williams go off for 28 and 12. But the surrounding pieces around him are not nearly as good as what Duke had. So that's maybe the... Yeah, the the door or the window of opportunity that you might look into for Syracuse here, but in the most significant spot, the matchup nightmare grows even further. Right, and I'm adding too; it's on the road where UNC. Right. Yeah. they did mm-hmm. have a puzzling loss to Pitt. They got blown out by Duke at home, but those are their only two home losses. They've looked really good at home for the most part. It's a tough no. place to play, and they don't just win; they they blow the doors yeah. off you too when they do win. And they start hot in a lot of these games. They were up 20-3 to on State on the road, and they've blown out State twice, which is, you know, their junior rivalry, but it's still a bigger game for them. Interesting that Leaky Black did hyperextend his knee in the NC State game. He's a guy that's watched Buddy pretty closely. He's their best perimeter defender. He would be charged with guarding Buddy if he's out there. Now he's probably a game-time decision. Don't have a ton of intel on that. But it's a quick turnaround, and... It's a guy that would probably be honored on senior day here. He does have that extra year, kind of like Buddy, if he wanted to come back. But if he's out of the game, I think that changes things for Syracuse. But overall, I really don't see the Orange hanging in this matchup because UNC is a better shooting team than they have been. And 
they might be a little bit worse on the glass, but they still have Baycott and they still can out rebound Syracuse pretty easily given it's Frank Anselm down there, not Jesse. I think about it kind of similarly to, to Kentucky. Kentucky isn't a great rebounding team as a whole, but they've got one guy who does enough for them that kind of covers up a lot of the blemishes that are spread around maybe on your roster. And when you can rebound at that high of a clip on both the offensive and defensive side of the basketball, you're going to be in a, a pretty good situation for yourself. I, I And you brought up the three-point shooting. This UNC team can shoot the three ball way better than Duke can. And, I mean, and they've got a depth of guys, too, that can shoot the three ball. When you look at Caleb Love has turned it around this year from three. He's shooting almost 40%. You've got Brady Manick, who's shooting almost 40%. You've got R.J. Davis, who is shooting 40%. And then if Leaky Black plays in this game, he doesn't shoot high volume. But when he does, he's shooting 42% this season. And if he doesn't play, it's Puff Johnson, who's basically coming off a Benny Williams type of game. A career game, he's known as being a great shooter, younger brother of Cam Johnson. So. I don't think it's a huge loss offensively for Carolina. Black does do a lot of the little things intangibly for you, but defensively is where that's, and that's their big concern. They're, they're a terrible defensive team. So that's where Syracuse could maybe hang with them. And guess what? You're shooting in your home gym too, if you're UNC. And, and that stuff, like you get your, your bearings down early on, you can get off to a hot start like that. Like that stuff helps you out. And you're right. If Syracuse doesn't get off to the hot start in this game, it could look very similar to what things looked like against Duke. It could be a 15 to 20 point blowout in this game. Don't yeah. be surprised if it is. That's kind of where I'm sitting with it right now because this team's going to out-rebound you by a significant margin in this game, I'd imagine. And if, they, if they're hitting their shots early, they'll put you away because that's what they've done. I mean, just look at some of the scores that they've put up against teams. Florida State, 94 to 74. The, the most recent game against NC State was a 10-point win. Uh, NC State, 100 to 80. Um, BC, 11 point win. Virginia Tech, 10 point win. Georgia Tech, 23 point win. Virginia, 16 point win. Boston College, 26 point win. Like they will blow you out and they will put you away early. And don't you cannot give them the opportunity to do that. And really, the only way for Syracuse to avoid that is by hitting your own shots early on. Yeah. It's a very Jekyll and Hyde team. And I think, put it this way if UNC is playing good, the game's over, I think. Yeah. I don't think Syracuse can match their good. So we'll know in the first two or three minutes here. Bet Online has the number Syracuse plus eight, over under set at 156. I'm going to take UNC. Another reason I'm going to take UNC, we've talked about it a little bit, but Syracuse is coming fifth game in 10 days here. Also, Simeon Torrance is probably out of this game. Right. So, you know, I mean, Jim Beheim said post game, it's looking pretty much doubtful that he's going to play so if it's joe gerard for 40 minutes and i just don't like the spot they're in i don't like that unc still has a lot to play for maybe in a different year you could say oh could you catch him as they're looking ahead to that big duke game on saturday but they're on the bubble this is a huge game for them they cannot right. lose this game and they've been taking care of business lately so i think unc gets up early and wins it by 15 or 20 yeah when you say they're on the the bubble like Look at teams' tournament resumes. Look at Indiana's, all right? You know what's listed under bad losses? Syracuse. <laughs> right. Like that, that's the this state would knock of, them out of the tournament. A home loss to Cuse right now, it, probably. Yeah, it, it sure, sure as hell wouldn't help. And even blowing them out probably doesn't do a whole heck of a lot for them either. But they know what the task is at this point. You have to win these big games down the stretch. You've got two left. You've got Syracuse and Duke. And there's no guarantees you're going to beat Duke on the road 
in Coach K's final game in the regular season, like in his final game at Cameron. You don't right. think emotions are going to be highly charged. So you kind of have to look at this Duke game or at the, at the Syracuse game here as, all right, here's a chance to maybe put some style points. And then if we hang close with Duke, we feel pretty good about heading into the ACC tournament, all things considered. You end up being 14-6 and six in a down ACC, probably good enough to get you in. So you look at this Syracuse game like, I'm with you. I think this could be a really ugly game for Syracuse, given what yeah. they can do from three and what they can do rebounding the basketball as well. And you bring up the guard depth. Okay, what what happens if Joe Gerard gets in foul trouble? What happens if Buddy Beheim gets in foul trouble? You're digging into walk-ons at that point. Patty Casey. Like, that's what you're doing. <laughs> and yeah. that's not something that's going to go well against UNC. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I, th I think look for them to attack Joe Gerard early especially if Samir Torrance is in street clothes, look for them to go after Joe Girard early. They'll go after everyone on our defense early because now that Jesse's not back there, it's it's open season down low too. So I don't know. I, I'll put it this way. It would not shock me if Syracuse is in the game just because UNC is a total mystery this year. They've had really puzzling performances out of nowhere. It could happen. But the reason why I'm picking UNC is because at the end of the day, when I close my eyes and I try and visualize Armando Baycott having, you just can't visualize Armando Baycott be neutralized against Syracuse right no, now. No, he can't. I don't see it. It's too big of a game for them. I'm really worried. I think they lose by 20 to 25, just like the last game, because it's a talent gap. Again, UNC is not as good as some of the other teams that they've lost big to, but talent wise, they run Syracuse off the floor, especially without Jesse Edwards. And you look at the the physical matchups too. Like, okay, let, let's say Leaky Black, who who did a pretty good job on Buddy Beheim. Remember that first half last year at yeah. uh, at the Dean Dome when Buddy was a, a non factor. Then he came alive in the second half because they they ran some things and, and tried to give him the ball in different creative ways. But let's say he can't go. the The guy who's going to step in, Puff Johnson, has a lot of the same physical traits that Leaky Black has. From a, he, he's not as good. But he's got a lot of the same physical traits that he has. And sometimes the physical traits are enough to, to help you neutralize some of these Syracuse players. When you look at Gerard, when you look at Buddy Beheim, if you've got the length and compose that sort of matchup, because guess what? Puff Johnson, six foot eight. Like we, we've talked a lot about how Buddy Beheim gets matched up on some of these two guards that are six foot three, and Buddy's got the major height advantage, Buddy's got the major length advantage there. Well, that's not going to be the case in this game, pretty much with whoever they sort of throw at him, whether it's him, whether it's a Kerwin Walton or something of that sort. Right. I, I just cannot see. I'm with you. Like, I, I think this is going to get ugly tonight, and yeah. it's going to be we'll know within shades the first of few minutes. No, you're right. Yeah, game or not. you're 100% you're yeah. right. All right, over under. I'm going to take the over. I think UNC, it's 156. They will get to 85, 90 on their own, and it could be kind of like the NC State game where the final score ends up being, I mean, UNC's done this a lot this year. They've gone up by 20 and then won by 10. And you look at the final score and it's even a little misleading. So the plus eight might be in jeopardy in that regard, but I will take the over in this game. I'll go slightly under. I mean, you're talking about the final game of this long stretch for Syracuse and, and your, your dashes of hope where we need to go out and beat Notre Dame or at least split the Notre Dame and Duke final two or two games leading into this one. And then you, you really can get up for this UNC game. And 
You didn't do that. You, you got yeah. blown out against UNC. And you hung close with Notre Dame. Ten points doesn't really tell the full story of that game. But I'm, I, I just, I mean, the quick turnaround games scare me too when you're looking at trying to go over a number as high as 156. So I'll go with the under of 156. But I, I'm with you. I, I think UNC gets theirs. I just don't know if Syracuse is going to get theirs. Right. <laughs> Okay, well, we will be back tomorrow on the show, Tuesday podcast, recapping this game. Later on the week, we'll have more thoughts on some of the recent Coach Beheim comments about playing man-to-man, the future, who's coming back next year. All that will be big discussion points this week because Miami's the next game on Saturday after this, so a little bit of a break. So subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, and we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Mm-hmm.